Have you ever listened to the pod and thought it would be awesome if Jen stopped being nerdy about movies for 60 seconds and talked about your business instead? Well, my friends, you're in luck. Watch with Jen is looking for sponsors. Do you own or run a theater, bookstore, film fest, website, school, physical media firm, pod, streaming channel, or small business that might like to advertise on Watch With Jen? Whether you're interested in sponsoring one episode or several, please reach out. You can get a hold of me at contact at filmintuition.com. Thanks so much. Hey, this is Jen Johans at filmintuition.com and filmintuition on social media and letterboxd. And this is Watch with Jen. This week's guest is a very good friend and one of the bright lights of film Twitter, Priscilla Page. Priscilla Page is a gifted writer who covers cars, movies, and cars and movies, focusing mostly on your dad's favorites, actioners, thrillers, westerns, etc. Some of her bylines include Haggerty, Auto Week, Empire Magazine, The Guardian, Polygon, Birth, Movies, Death, and Brightwall Dark Room. You can keep up with her work through her Patreon at patreon.com slash Priscilla Page. Priscilla, thank you so much for being here. It is such an honor and a joy to have a good friend on the podcast and someone whose work I love reading. So thank you so much. How are you doing? Uh, I think I'm doing okay. How are you, Jen? (laughs) I am doing well. We are recording this a week before Thanksgiving. I cannot believe Thanksgiving is almost here already. My goodness. It feels weird. Yes. Where did this year go? I'm ready. I'm pre-gaming though. You are? Yeah. I got my recipes. Like, I don't know. Do you cook? Not well. Um, (laughs) Probably better than I if you actually like have recipes. I love that. Like plural. That's great. When I... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I wouldn't get carried away. Like, I mean, okay. just basics, like, but you need I those. love preparing for things. So, <laughs> yes, you know, you are like me. We're research nuts. We love kind of preparing. Oh, yeah. We over prepare. We worry. We're both kind of crazy insomniacs. We're sometimes like, you know, you made that comment early on where you were like, do you have your notifications? Do they go off at four in the morning? And I'm like, no, I turned them off or something. But then sometimes I'm up at that time. And, you know, it's, yeah, basically we are the people that should be, this is our Super Bowl. We have lists. We know like what to do for Christmas or Hanukkah. This is our time. Yeah, exactly. We're ready. Yes. And, um, being that you are a fellow film writer, this is also the time of year when we're inundated with award screeners. And I am like way behind on 2023 movies. I'm really excited that one of the movies we are going to talk about actually came out this year. And it's one of my favorites from the year. I know one of yours as well. So I'm very excited about that. Are there any other 2023 movies that you've seen that have stood out to you so far? Or um, like me, do you have a lot to watch? Yeah, I've seen like 10 movies and five of them were Dead Reckoning. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like, uh, I mean, obviously I love the new John Wick. Have you seen that yet? 
I don't know. I don't want to make you confess. Not yet. No, I need to. Okay. Cause that could be something we could potentially talk about. Like follow-up podcast. We might have yeah. to a John Wick episode. I mean, maybe there's no chase. They don't do chases in that franchise at all, but like there's a sequence in that movie that is set around the Arc de Triomphe. Have you seen like clips of this? Yes. It's yeah, it's nuts. It's so cool. Um, Very cool. But I am so glad that you're here for this today to talk about car movies. Uh, for those listening that might not be aware, Priscilla and I met on Twitter. I first discovered her work around 2019. A good mutual friend of ours, Jordan Harper, was constantly sharing her work and I would read it. And I thought, oh, wow, this woman has you know brilliant taste and I love her writing And so I would just kind of follow and pay attention. And it was odd how many things we had in common that we we loved Westerns and Hong Kong movies. And yet we also were really into the same romantic films like Moonstruck. And, Hmm. you know, we had that side. We both watched like Hallmark movies with our moms. (laughs) And, you know, it's it's maybe not a cool thing to admit, but, you know. I've seen every Hallmark movie, probably. Pretty much. (laughs) Yes, exactly. I'm willing to confess that here. For the first time ever. (laughs) I think I scare my letterbox followers because like I'll go from, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly or whatever to all of a sudden I have a list of like the Hallmark films I've watched in the last (laughs) month or something. The big Hallmark dump and people are like, why is she watching 20 (laughs) Christmas movies? Why did she watch 20 (laughs) movies today? It's like, you know, not in one day, but yes, exactly. And we love the the mysteries they make for the channel. We, We like mysteries we both love as you've been oh, detective stories yeah big for Poirot, both of us agatha christie columbo the rockford, rockford. files hello <laughs> yes yes and i was really excited i went to la for the first time as an adult i'd been there when i was younger uh last summer so the summer of 2022 and before i went i was trying to figure out you know who can i look up and so i hit up Priscilla just out of the blue we'd been following each other and kind of you know talking a little bit on Twitter and yeah I I was that person I completely was one of her reply guys like hey let's <laughs> I was so excited that you said yes yes it's always refreshing to me when it's a, a girl who's like cool who's <laughs> I like to be it's fine to bother me if you're a girl yeah who's as cool as you are oh you're too kind <laughs> yes I should say that uh we the first time we hung out, we went cruising around LA. I mean, Priscilla did. I did not drive. I was terrified. Anyone who listens to the podcast, listen to that episode I did earlier this year with Adrian McKinty, where we both confessed neither one of us are the greatest of drivers. We don't like going too fast. And so oh, we, said I... we were terrified, at least when we're driving. This we're is fine. a revelation to me. We're fine if other people are driving fast. Okay. Like, it's okay. But like, yeah. we don't want to be the ones doing it. I and, love driving you know, fast. Sorry. No, I... <laughs> you were great. Are you kidding? It was so cool. I and behaved. I did behave. Yeah. And it was <laughs> cool to go cruising around at night on a Saturday night in LA with Priscilla. People can I mean, I drive I drive too fast for people to catch me anyway. So 
I love it. We were driving around. I think we basically, I got in the car and we did not stop talking for a couple hours. And it was, it was great. And yes, Priscilla is a fast driver. She's a good driver. She has excellent taste in music. Like she had a playlist for us, like a CD going. It was and a curated experience. It was. A curated, <laughs> she's a good tour guide, guys. That's what I'm I saying. I tried. Yeah. And what was hilarious is I think because we were telling so many stories, it was that kind of thing where you're like, oh, what do you want to see around here? I'm like, whatever. We're driving around and we're, you know, so distracted by ourselves. All of a sudden, Priscilla's like, oh, that was Rodeo Drive. Oh, that was this. And it's like, <laughs> we're not paying attention anymore. We're just kind of enjoying it. It was great. Yeah. The Michael Mann. LA experience. It was. It was very <laughs> like, you know, cue the Phil Collins. Let's yeah. I but I for I I can't believe it. I forgot to put that track. I was gonna put it on that Next playlist. Time. And I I know. Yeah. I fucking we'll blew that. it. <laughs> <laughs> no. And now every time I go to LA, I have to make sure to hang out with Priscilla and we get in the car, we hit record stores and bookstores and breakfast for lunch and it's great so I have a very good friend in Priscilla and I you know twisted her arm to be on the podcast and I'm so glad you said yes we have been talking about this since at least that drive because I've been mulling I this is my first podcast because ever yeah I don't know it's just like a wow yeah, I just will. I mean, it's like it just it brings together all of my biggest phobias somehow, like public speaking, social anxiety, because usually the person asking me, I have no idea who they are. And True. then like, like social media weirdness where people will like willfully misinterpret things that you say. Yes. <laughs> and then, yeah. Like now I've recorded them and you know, I'm in trouble. Like, (laughs) I know it's so weird. You can say, you know, I love the color blue. Why do you hate red? Yeah. That kind of thing. (laughs) You know, Yeah. You never know what you're going to get in trouble. Yes. It's exciting. I guess it's a beautiful day. (laughs) What do you have against clouds? Yeah. Um, but yeah, this is cool. Like I thought I had, this is the first time where I thought like, this is going to be fun. So Yes. And we were trying to think of an idea. We thought first like Mission Impossible. Then we thought the light, the fuse guys were going to, you know, get very angry at us for good reason. (laughs) I mean, that is that is their domain. We are kind of stepping on their toes a little, but not, Mm -hmm. you know, it's okay. And then we thought cars, we thought TV shows, we thought about a whole bunch of things. Yeah. So Um, I'm glad we arrived at this for sure. And I think for those who have followed your work, I think would probably want to know how did you first get into writing about movies and what made you first fall in love with movies and car movies? Um, G-Jen, ask her like five questions at once. (laughs) (laughs) I think I can handle it. Let's find out. Um, (laughs) So the car stuff and the movie stuff actually came together at the same time. Like I gotten into cars originally. My dad was really into them. And Me too. I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how much I've already told you. Um, you might already know this whole story. So they don't. Can, it's fine. You can, you can take a nap. Um uh my dad had like a car business, but I it just never clicked for me. 
until uh, I went on a date in my early 20s mm-hmm. and he gave me two options it was model train show or low rider show. <laughs> Wait a sec, um, model trains? Yeah. So my life could have gone in a very different direction. Wow. What we're saying is, <laughs> you know, that is her next phase of writing. Yeah. Yeah. My next obsession. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, actually, give her Dead call. Reckoning yes. kind of ties that in a little bit, right? Full circle. Um, That's what we're doing. It's perfect. So, um, Anyway, like cars had always sort of been like a practical object to me, but nothing that I was interested in. But like, I don't know, the lowriders were so. That's when it became personal. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I don't know if you've ever been to a lowrider show, but they have no. the owners. It's like walking through an art exhibit, basically. And all of the owners have these. uh like notebooks or scrapbooks that sort of exhaustively document the transformation of their cars from when they got them to what they look like now. Mm. Um, And they're all idiosyncratic and beautiful and cool. And it was just like a really big moment for me. And then, so that's when I started getting into cars, but I was already kind of getting into, I got into movies in college. So I was a kind of late start for me. Um, and then finally, several years later, I was starting to fast. I'm fast forwarding this story because we don't need to like get bogged down in what I did in my twenties, which is very boring. Yeah, Like what happened to the guy? We don't. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of floundering. He was a lovely gentleman, but um, (laughs) he was a nice boy, but like, shout out to that guy. Thank you for giving us Priscilla, the car writer. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And so I was getting stressed out because my secret background, I don't really have much of a background in film. My degree was in English and creative writing. So it was an extremely useful choice that I made. Um, and I just wanted to write something. And I don't want to use the word like mercenary, but I was very open-minded about what kind of writing. So um, at that point, I had a little bit of a social media following already where I post a lot about movies Mm -hmm. and I kind of took a gamble and the people at birth movies, death and Alamo draft house, like sort of took a chance on me. Oh, that's Um, wonderful. Very kindly because I had no experience and no writing samples. And somehow that month at Alamo draft house, like the magazine's theme, because it tied in with their programming was car movies. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. I, I have no, I, I can't remember if I told you this at all, but um, they gave me nine choices, like nine different movies I could write about. And I ended up picking drive because I felt like it gave me an excuse to write about um, thief and two lane blacktop, which are two exactly. of my other favorites. Yes. Um, And so that kind of weirdly became my calling card. Uh, like I didn't bungle it somehow. Um. Although it's, it was a tariff. It was like a harrowing, like, what if I fuck this up moment? Um, (laughs) 
I but, think everybody always fears that, like, especially yeah. if you pitch something and you think, oh, this is such a good idea. And then they say yes. And you're like, shit, I have to write now it. Now what? Oh, yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. The pitch is always like a little exhilarating. And then when you're like, now what? <laughs> yes. Exactly. That's not so great. I know. Um, I don't know if I trust the writers, except, you know, our friend Sean Cosby does love writing, but writers who love writing, I, I don't know, most of the time, I don't know if I trust them. I love having written, basically. Unless, it depends on the kind yeah. of writing. Yeah. I find that creative writing... zone. It's yeah. Good. Yeah. It can be a little bit more fun, but actually the film essays, I just get so... I'm not a linear thinker, so the page is just like it's word salad and then I have to and the editing part is yes. really when it gets like that's my tedious. favorite part oh really that's your favorite I love the second Jen. yeah <laughs> we're not the same person about oh that. my god yes, this is I know you're like divorce no you're two dads on twitter no I'm just kidding but I'm logging out I know and you're like well this was my first and last podcast and I lasted 32 minutes no, <laughs> but um, no, for whatever reason, I think if I'm in the zone on the first draft and I'm just writing yeah. and writing, then it's great. But I love maybe not the first time I go in in the edit because then it is kind of tedious Oof. work. Yeah. But then after that, when you can kind of just like make it sing a little and, and mm. figure out how to, ooh, can I punch that or play with alliteration or figure out ooh, that ties in. I do geek out about that. Yeah. You start to like see the shape of it and yeah. And it kind of gets locked in. Like the uncertain part is the bad part. But when you start to feel like, well, this is the only form this could possibly be in. Does that make mm -hmm. sense? Like, yeah. You're like, this is exactly right. And I feel confident finally in what I'm saying. And like, yeah, after you sort of, yeah. Okay. And we're long essayists, both of us. We do our writing in the several thousand words. Um, another thing I love about Priscilla and having so many good writing friends is that <laughs> we, you know, we type fast and we think in paragraphs, you know, like, so we are constantly in each other's DMs and texting and, you know, like, checking in a lot I should say for those listening I am going to embarrass Priscilla about what oh, a God. wonderful person she is but <laughs> last summer I did go through like a health scare and Priscilla was one of those people that I told and you know you start telling like a couple people like the the nitty-gritty details and Priscilla you know logged in on a zoom and we were getting into it and she is so thoughtful and she goes into research mode and she puts on that kind of a hat that later she's like, well, I don't know if I did enough, but I was taking notes and I was looking <laughs> up and you were so great because when I was touching base with you later, like, oh, my doctor said this, you're like, did you ask about and you, like <laughs> remembered stuff that I did not? And it's like, that is why you need somebody like Priscilla Page. Yes. That is very nice. I, I, you know, it's like those situations are so hard. You never really know how to navigate them. But mm -hmm. I know that at the very least I can do is like pay attention. And um, yes. there's, I think the worst feeling in the world is like waiting for a test result. Like the health yeah. stuff is just so bleak that, you know, it's out of our control. In yeah. Is when the we're least perfectionists you can do. and we're not, you know, when you're worried and you can't, 
control something. It's when you're more... a control freak like me. Yes. Yes. Same. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So what we're saying is if you go through something, get a writer buddy. Who Call me is up. A control freak. Yes. I'll be and there. <laughs> maybe invite her to a low rider model train show, some kind of oh my you know, God, hobby. Yeah. yeah. Or I got to try that drive next. you around LA, you know, tour guide. Yep. Exactly. I, I just go where the pretty lights are. <laughs> that is, that's the appeal. Yeah. You have the heat experience, you know? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> totally. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll have to plan a real heist next. Yeah, absolutely. We'll bring Belushi in, you know? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I think he'd get into that. This is the That's most rough. unwieldy podcast ever. But you told me that your dad <laughs> was a car guy. My yeah. dad was a car guy. He was actually like anything with an engine. So he was a professional boat racer for a little bit. Whoa. Yeah. That's so cool. That was his thing. Yeah. And he was like one of those people in high school who had a motorcycle and would drive, you know, a couple states and then come back and so he was just always into that. He bought and sold so many cars, boats, uh, scooters, motorcycles, anything. Like he still repairs and sells things all the time to this day. He could have had a lot. I have an uncle who was a used car salesman. Less said about that, the better we'll say. Like there, there's a reason we all make car salesman jokes. I love oh, you, wow. but whoa. But um. <laughs> For whatever reason, my mom even knows some stuff about cars. Like she and my dad went to the Indy 500, like when they were dating. And I don't know that she was a huge fan. Like racing is kind of oh, boring no. to watch, but the movies are it cool. It is. Yeah. There was some, yeah. someone on Twitter was talking to us about that. And I yeah. was like, yeah, you're right. Like it is kind of, because you can't really see everything. And yeah. And you're just going round and round essentially. And you're like, great. Yeah. Good job, guys. <laughs> I know. We chose to talk about car movies, and I guess this is a long roundabout way of saying I know nothing about cars in general. Essentially, Priscilla did recommend the Peterson Automotive Museum, and oh my god, Ooh, I loved that. It's it a great was place. The best. There was like a James Bond exhibition when I was there, and an Andy Warhol thing, and I got Priscilla a gift in the gift shop. I got Rob one, you know. Um, I love that museum, but I had like a religious experience looking at those cars. It was amazing. Uh, I was telling Priscilla off air that my dad called earlier today and I was just like, what are you up to? And I said, yeah, I'm, I'm doing some research, you know, I'm getting ready to do record a, a movie or an episode on car movies. And the man laughed himself hoarse, like just <laughs> like you and cars. So like I come from all of these car people and you know I am not one of them but once I started to tell him about your writing especially for Haggerty and uh he got so excited and he's like well and he actually said I bet she loves that car and John Wick and I'm oh, like God, oh yeah. my goodness like you and Priscilla could sit there and talk for hours <laughs> yes. yes and here is he is cool no I'm just kidding oh my god <laughs> <laughs> surprise panel guest yeah yeah we should have invited our dads i know yeah we're the dads of film twitter essentially <laughs> you know that's like true these two women talking about like chaoyun fat movies all the time and yeah and, yeah exactly way into dad movies yeah B many of them which we'll be talking about 
we were trying to figure out, I mean, there are so many great car movies. You mentioned a couple, uh, Thief and Tulane Blacktop, of course, mm. both love the car chase and to live and die in LA. Oh yeah. And, you know, Bullet is iconic. There are a million ways we could have gone about this, but we also kind of, you know, paid attention to pieces that you've written and filmmakers. At the beginning, we were thinking, I think it was shortly after uh, we'd heard that Friedkin had passed away and we were like, it might be too soon to go in and talk about Friedkin. Like it was going to be a little bit tough. Emotional. Yeah, we liked the idea of looking at filmmakers who really do action well and action oriented around cars and uh like we talked about justin lynn for example and a couple others and you know we might be doing more of these down the road so you know you're warned and uh (laughs) you can also hit that subscribe button for priscilla not me just like (laughs) rambling uh you know or vamping as they say to fill my lack of car knowledge but I love that we came up with um, one of the forefathers of the subgenre, which is uh, Frankenheimer. Oh, yeah. And a Macquarie. modern day master, Macquarie. So, talk to me about those and some of your favorite movies that I probably didn't mention that are great car movies you love. Um, well, I think like the Holy Trinity of like car chase directors is freaking frankenheimer and now macquarie i feel like he's like the heir to the throne or something or maybe he's already taken the throne i guess is probably a better way of putting it um but i actually like put a little i put together a little list of stuff that didn't seem as i mean it doesn't make any sense for me to tell people to watch bullet like everybody's watched bullet right we hope yeah. Yeah. Or or yeah. seen parts of the car chase or seen the yeah. car or something. Exactly. Um, and French connection and yeah. Yeah, but I think like um some of the I well Duel probably isn't uh I love Duel. Yeah, it's not like a you know, an unheard of film, but it's so good that I can't help but mention it. Like Yes. My mom actually had an experience. Did I tell you about this? Uh uh-uh. seven. She had a dual experience. She did. Yeah. Jesus. Driving home from like visiting her friends and it was on a highway. Whenever she changed lanes, this semi truck would change lanes and the guy was getting way too close and she didn't know what to do. And it was it went on for a really long time. And so ever since like she's just terrified of, you know, she's nervous about trucks sometimes at night because she had such a scary experience. And she loves the movie Duel, but I remember the first time we watched, I kind of had to warn her. And oh my God, she told me that story and she's told me it several times. Like, be careful. Yes. <laughs> Never know. Yeah. Duel yeah, is it's, amazing. It's so, I mean, like, as far as, first of all, that's terrifying. But, mm-hmm. um, but I think that is why Duel is so powerful because, like, I feel yeah. like most people have had an experience like that, like mm-hmm. terrifying road experiences. Um, yeah. But as far as Spielberg goes, it does and it doesn't feel like one that people talk as much about, but it's one of my favorite Spielberg movies. He it's had just... it right out of the gate. I mean, the yeah. of Columbo Murder by the Book episode. It's amazing. Mm, yeah. That's a good one. I let's see, what else do I have? Oh, Walter Hill's the driver. I don't know if people can find that, but anymore, it's but it's so good. Yeah. It's perfect. Mm-hmm. Um See, if I could like go back and do it all over again, I would 
rewrite that drive essay to include the driver because I hadn't I hadn't seen it yet. I couldn't find it. Yeah, um, I hadn't seen that when I saw Drive for the first time too. Yeah, yeah, but it's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? The Seven Ups. That feels Ooh, like good movie. Yes, like a good one to pair with the French Connection. Yeah, I had a stunt uh, coordinator, like a second unit director. I think he was second unit on like War of the Worlds and stuff like that. Ooh. Uh, Jesse B. Johnson, who you know. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, filmmaker. And when I talked He's about great. watching, yes, nicest guy, super knowledgeable. When I talked about watching the seven ups, he said, you know, among stuntmen, like that is top notch and he said and it's a film like we all rip off all the time that car chase is amazing yeah yeah um yeah that guy is a great director um yeah i did not know that's where you were going you should have just said jesse b johnson and i would have been like i forgot and then i was i didn't know where you were going with that because of the (laughs) avengement yes yes he was he was very nice um yes i bugged him about scott adkins movies and he was just like i don't want to do that anymore and then i felt really bad like <laughs> oh no you're fine <laughs> yeah. um but anyway um sorry about that little jesse v johnson digression but no it's an exciting anecdote to share yeah. i mean yours not mine no he's great. Um, we're, we're keeping him <laughs> it's in the cut <laughs> what else do i have here uh what's up doc I think is like a really underrated car chase. It is. Um, it's hilarious, but it's also just a feat of, you know, stunt choreography. Yeah. Yeah. It's perfect. Um, what else do I have? Oh, the last run with George C. Scott. Great movie. That was watched like a it on recent... your recommendation. Oh, yeah. did you? Okay. Mm-hmm. I because that was a new discovery to me. I think I watched it for the first time a couple of years ago. Okay. And I was like, why don't I, nobody talks about this movie, but it's like George C. Scott and um the cinematographer is it Sven Nickvist or Nykvist? Can we dub me saying it right? <laughs> I I actually don't know myself, but Okay, great. The cinematographer behind like Ingmar Bergman movies. And, yeah, yeah, we'll say that. Um, yeah. you know, Sven. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I know how to say that Sven's name. Sven's our buddy. Yes. <laughs> um yeah, that's a uh, I love that one. And what else do I have here? I, have you seen The Hitcher? I don't know if I could recommend that to you in good conscience, but I have not. No, it's grim. It's a okay. grim film with Rutger Hauer. Okay, <laughs> it's kind of like the night, like a more nightmarish version of The Hitchhiker, kind of Ooh. like. Um, yeah, it just feels like an American boogeyman, like road movie. It's sort of like horror thriller, and it's super nihilistic and violent. And I think people who like horror movies would be into it, but everybody hated it when it first came out (laughs) (laughs) because it is just so dark. Um, But that's a good one, in my opinion, because I'm demented. Um, What else? Oh, have you seen Cleopatra Jones? It's like a black exploitation film. Pam Greer, um, right? It's Mm -hmm. not Pam Greer. I... I'm spacing on the name, so... Oh, Pam Gr- I don't know why I'm thinking of Friday Foster. Totally different movie. No, I have not seen Cleopatra Jones. Um, God, it's a supermodel. What's her name? Tamara Dobson. Okay. And she's like... I don't know. She looks like she's six foot three. And she she's basically James Bond, like an American James Bond in the Ooh. movie. And she drives a Corvette, I believe. But there's a little... uh. 
chase, I think it's in like the LA river basin in the Corvette. It just sort of feels like an underrated. I know. I love that movie. It's cool. Very cool. (laughs) Um, Sete on Rendezvous. It's, um, it's a short film. I, Oh yes, the one where it's Claude Lelouch. Yes, I did see that. Mm -hmm. He's like a maniac. Yeah, Claude Lelouch just it's it's his own car, and he just like drove across Paris. I -hmm. think it's in the early morning, um, and he just never stops. Like he just races right through on YouTube. Yeah, yeah, but it rules. Like it's so simple, but it's it's still somehow. I when I interviewed Chad Stahelski this year, he kind of made me like feel a little bit bad because I think from a, like a director slash action choreographer standpoint, like chases are sort of boring. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, because he called it, he said in the business, we call that like shoe leather <laughs> because <laughs> you just, you just kind of shoot the basics, like the car driving fast. And then you get the inserts of like the gear shift and the pedals and stuff. And it's just sort of like, but it costs so much money like more money than anything else you can do in an action mm-hmm. movie. So that's one of the reasons they don't really do chases in the John Wick movies because they're so expensive. It makes sense. Although, you know, when you watch like the chases we're going to talk about, or, like in Ronin for that's not shoe leather. Oh God, yeah. no. 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 but See, like, that's the thing when you're on the, other side of the camera like when you're a viewer like me yeah I'm easily duped into thinking that looks super cool like <laughs> yeah yeah exactly that's why um, we watch yes yeah if you shoot it well and you edit it well it can look you can make the simplest like that's that's what Claude Lelouch's short film sort of proves is that mm-hmm. like it's just the simplest I think he mounted the camera to the front of the car and it's you'd never see the car. You just, you're just, it feels like you're, you're in, in the passenger. You're in the, yes. well, maybe you're in the driver's seat. That would be better, I guess. But it feels like you're in the car, like hurtling yeah. through Paris. And it's so simple and so exciting. Like it just I, feels great. I can't remember if he made that before or after a man and a woman, but you know, it was around that time. Yeah. Yeah. Wasn't it kind of like, I don't know, maybe it was not associated, but for some reason I thought, because he kind of gives it like the slimmest possible narrative where it's like he's going to meet a woman or something. Like yes. that's the end of the chase. Yeah. Spoiler alert. But um <laughs> you can tell like that's where his interests lie around that time period. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. yeah. Like, but I, I don't remember either where I think a man and a woman was around sixty-eight, if I okay. remember right. So it was kind of that whole era. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. um one of the recent ones I really liked is a movie called Special Delivery. It's a Korean movie about like a, it's like a getaway driver service, sort of like an Uber service. Okay. (laughs) Um, And the young actress from Parasite is the main character. She's the getaway driver. Um, And yeah, that one's a good one too. Like, yeah, I think, I think I reached the end of my list. I don't want to like recommend anything that feels too basic, but those seem kind of like an interesting that is a good mix yeah 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 there are some good french ones that you introduced me to like some modern stuff that was made for netflix that i enjoyed also some french action um but overall i think you know those are some just 
rock and movies that you lost bullet yes yeah i should have said that i don't oh, know i'm an idiot um no not at all no. <laughs> yeah the lost bullet movies like they're fun Mm-hmm. the fast and the furious movies i love them but the past couple movies have not really done it i think they're mm-hmm. like going too far into the green screen into cgi space. yeah yeah i'm like okay i don't know man like this is <laughs> i still think it's fun but it just doesn't quite hit the same it's yeah, not as you, satisfying yeah when you start like the franchise and like where it was i mean of course every franchise changes but sure. i mean it's like completely like you know starting at one o'clock they're at midnight and beyond yeah <laughs> yeah i mean i kind of i like the wild swings they're taking oh yeah but it's not yeah. like it's not scratching the car chase itch as much mm-hmm. as it used to um but the lost bullet movies are sort of like filling that that void for me you know like yeah they're a little scrappier and a little more yeah exactly. yeah pretty i think pretty much everything they do is for real none mm-hmm. of it is green screen from what i remember um yeah i just remember i just realized i wrote an article about it that they never published <laughs> might have to put that on <laughs> for, your patreon for Haggerty. i'm like where did that go um i guess nobody was chomping at the bit for it because okay. they're like lesser known films but they're so good like there you go that's for the patreon i guess i, I might get in trouble Oh, oh, you got, well, yeah. I gotta, I, I gotta find I, out what happened because <laughs> I'm not an entertainment lawyer. I don't want to get you in trouble. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Breach of contract. My ass but... is going to get sued. Um, I know I'm going to get kicked out of another museum of Haggerty. <laughs> yes. We should probably get into the movies that we uh, chose not? before I get Priscilla just completely in trouble here. So, <laughs> yes. So oh, go um, ahead. do you have another one you want to recommend? Uh, well, I wanted to reveal to you that I gave myself a Jack Reacher manicure for this occasion. I don't think you can see it very well. Ooh, it's like a Chevelle. So I gave it, I think Chevy called it like the stereo stripes is what they call them. And then this one is a golden boot that I Take found. A picture and I'll like share okay. it on the, yeah. But uh, I thought the boot was, I can't believe I found the boot. But I was like, it needs to be, I need a tribute to my favorite. I had a vision. (laughs) Um, I had all these like wild ideas for the Jack Reacher manicure. And I was just like, this is insane. I need to like tone it down. Did you do this yourself or did you go to a. No, I did it myself. Holy cow. This is another talent. Wow. I know my hidden talent is movie themed. It's my new. um, I was going to say unhinged hobby, but it's like a coping mechanism. (laughs) I suck obviously so um you can do my nails next time i'm in la yeah but i just like well i just thought like it would make you laugh and i was like especially i love when i found when i found the boot i was just like all right it's on like yeah it's perfect Um, and is it on red too no i decided it would pop more on the black but i was like i had some really uh tasteless ideas for the manicure <laughs> that I had to like rethink you had to rein yourself <laughs> in yes yeah. the people on social media are gonna come for me with pitchforks because I was like maybe I should put like a few drops of blood at the top of the boot like because <laughs> the line is uh dare you to leave that up for Thanksgiving then and just no, just don't even <laughs> comment on it yeah 
No, I think they'll, I think actually my family will appreciate it. I don't know if my dad has seen Jack Reacher, but I have shown Jack Reacher to my mom and my sister. Um, but the, the famous line is that, what does he say? Um, I mean to beat you to death and drink your blood out of a boot. And I'm not sure whose boot it's going to be. I don't know if it's his own. I imagine it's. I was kind of wondering that too. Like, where is he just going to like get a boot? Yeah. I imagine it's Jai Courtney's boot. It's Jai Courtney, right? It's not J. Is it Jay Courtney? I don't know. Okay, we'll have to dub me over this saying his name the right way. <laughs> You're fine. <laughs> um, I imagine it's his boot because he got so bloody that it's like I have no. I'm I'm not sure, but I love that line and the way he delivers it is so amazing. Like it is. I had not seen Jack Reacher uh, since like it had first come out. And when I was watching it last fall, I put this on Twitter, like, I, oh, I'm watching Jack Reacher for the first time. And uh, immediately, it was Rob. I think Rob <laughs> texted me. Rob, if he knows what you're watching, like, he'll text you. Like, never tell Rob you're watching Spartan, because you'll oh, get, like, uh-oh. 25 <laughs> lines texted to you, and they're amazing. But, yeah, but it's crazy. But uh, anyway, so it was Rob, and then, like, a hair right after that was Sean Burns like and it was the same line and I'm like why are these people threatening me with a boot like what you know because I hadn't seen uh, Blake who's our good friend Blake Howard who we joke will turn anything into a podcast and I'm kind of getting there uh you know was paying attention immediately turned that line and brought those guys on to talk Jack Reacher in that damn boot yeah yeah, it's a great it's it's pulp poetry. And I'm yeah. pretty sure the line is not in the book. Like it's just something Macquarie came up with. And um he told me on Twitter that Tom Cruise delighted in delivering that line. Um He doesn't get to say stuff like that much. I know. Yeah. Well, they actually they're planning on making, I don't know if you've seen these headlines, but everybody's well, not everybody, me, I'm excited. Um <laughs> he's got plans to make another movie with tom cruise i hope that they get to make it but it's like uh they're just calling it a the gnarly movie like i and i have a feeling it's original material i think and i get the sense that when they made reacher or jack reacher that they wanted to make like an r-rated jack reacher but they had to tone it down so I have a feeling it'll be kind of like a Jack Reacher vibe, but more violent. <laughs> okay. Um, Sign us up. Yeah. But like, but also I think with more heart was how it was explained to me. That makes sense too for Cruz. Yeah. 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 Although he's not afraid to go dark. I mean, collateral, Magnolia, but. It's been a while though. It has. Yeah. I mean. You know, Cruz in the 21st century, it's an interesting um, mix of what he's doing. I'm a huge fan of the movie Night and Day. I had on oh my God, it's Lewis, so good. and I love it <laughs> because you get sort of the charm. It's like a rom-com, screwball, action, spy movie. It's a little of everything. Yeah. And it's so good. It's kind of vintage Cruz. Like you need his charisma and his star power and you need hers as well. I mean, yeah, Cameron Diaz she's so great. good. They had I miss such her. good chemistry together in that and Vanilla Sky. 
And uh, I think also we just kind of, after like Eyes Wide Shut and Vanilla Sky, he just sort of was like neutered in these movies. Like, oh, we don't want to watch, you know, Cruz uh, do this. Also, movies themselves got more sexless. He got into oh, God, like, yeah. popcorn movies. and But he likes to take some risks. And he's also someone who really supports um, originality and the filmmakers. He picked up the phone to call, you know, Paul Thomas Anderson famously after Boogie Nights. Like, I'll do whatever your next thing is. And so I love that with Macquarie, uh, he's kind of indulging that side. Yeah. Yeah. I I love how dark he is in Collateral. Like, I love Tom Cruise in villain mode. Oh, me um, too. I love Collateral. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, like, when... I think Jack Reacher is sort of, like, a perfect balance where he sort of does get to be dark, but also, like, that guy is fundamentally... He says, I am not a hero, like at least I feel like he says it more than once in the film, but like, mm-hmm. you know, Jack Reacher is fundamentally wonderful. <laughs> yeah. He's going to um, be heroic. Yes. Yeah. So, um, so it's like a perfect balance. Whereas like Ethan Hunt is just like a pure, he's like a saint basically, which mm-hmm. is fine. I love that. Um, but, but yeah, I kind he's of, I kind of want to see him. And, yeah. I kind of want to see him do dark again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have, a you know, Macquarie and Tom Cruise together in two films here. We should probably start with, you want to go chronologically, start with Jack Reacher. Talk to me about your, um, yeah, your history with that. I can't remember when I first watched Jack Reacher. Um, I know, I didn't see it when it came out, I don't think. But I know I saw the second film in theaters, which... I won't go into that, but um <laughs> Yeah. No offense, Edward Zwick, great director. It just it wasn't as good as the yeah, predecessor. Yeah, I I I don't think it was it wasn't bad, but I just don't really remember. I know Aldous no. Hodge is in it, who's amazing. But yeah, um, and Colby Smulders is great. Great. We but... both loved uh the show that she was on, Stumptown, which didn't get Oh, it was so good. I miss know, it so should much. Should have been picked up. Yeah. Girl. Um, but yeah, like Jack Reacher, just, I think I actually like it every, I I like it more every time I watch it. Mm -hmm. I'm at the point where the film gives me like a full body high, like. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I have to agree with you. I thought it was kind of like, I liked it, but it was like average the first time. And then when I watched it last year, kind of bumped up this time much more. Yeah, it's great. It's so good. Like. It just, I love that character, and I just do not give a shit that Jack Reacher isn't, like, 100 feet, like, Tom Cruise's Jack Reacher isn't 100 feet tall, like. Yeah, yeah. I think his attitude. supposed to be, like, 6'5", or something like that. Yeah, and I think his hands are described as uh, the size of baseball gloves, or something like that. (laughs) And it's Um, like, guys, it's supposed to be a little pulpy here, and yeah. It's okay. Yeah. I think he captures the attitude. Like he's like a cocky wise ass and he has the charm. And I don't know if you've seen the TV show yet. The like the Reacher Alan Richardson one, but I did. Oh, you did? I wasn't really feeling it that much. Um, (laughs) Maybe I needed to stick with it longer. What did you think? I had fun with it actually. Like 
that is something I can confidently recommend to people. I think that people who like the movie will like that. Maybe not as much, but I know for some people who are like really anal about an adaptation, like committing to the source material, like. (laughs) See, I am unfamiliar with the source material. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm not. Even when I am familiar with source material, I try not to be beholden to it because I think some of the best adaptations really yeah are the loosest ones yeah a book is a book a movie is a movie like yeah uh, there's a reason why they wrote it as a novel like exactly like um jordan uh has kind of a line about uh when people say you know oh this biopic isn't 100 it's like if you want to know exactly what happened like read a history book they're perfect they you know they do all the research for you i'm watching a movie yep they're different things Jordan's right. (laughs) That's another catchphrase. He's going to be like, okay, where's the t-shirt for that? (laughs) Um, Yeah. I just like, it's uh, to me when what is satisfying to read on the page, isn't necessarily satisfying to see on your screen. Mm -hmm. Um, Although I do, I have come to appreciate like, uh, it's like a Kool-Aid man style of action hero, like mm-hmm. just real big boys who like break things. <laughs> oh yeah. So like, like Alan Richardson biscuit song breaks stuff except in people form. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like um I think he's going by Don Lee now, like the the he's a Korean action star who's just like his bicep is bigger than my head. Um <laughs> and he just reliably you know, destroys everybody in his path. And that to me is very satisfying. But um, so Alan Richson like ticks that box where he's like stoic Hulk or whatever. And like, it's fun to watch him pull people apart basically. Mm -hmm. But I think like it's cinematic to me that you don't see Tom Cruise's Reacher coming like he talks smack and then yeah, yeah. actually He's delivers on it a little more uh like he can blend into the background a little bit and we see him blend in i love the scene and you actually you know it's at the end of that great car chase that you wrote about for Haggerty oh God. with yeah. the the baseball hat that a guy gives him you know because hello he he loves to ride the bus like he's just sort of unassuming there's something like he's he a man of the formidable. people He's completely formidable. Like Tom Cruise is going to, you know, in a bar, he's going to. You got to pay your bar tab if you're going to get in a fight with this guy, because you're not going to be able to at the end of it. Yeah. But also, you know, he doesn't need to like walk in and like the record scratch and, you know, he doesn't have (laughs) to do that. Yes. Yeah. To me, it's just good storytelling to have it subvert your expectations. And there's like the element of surprise, like. You know, that bar scene when he tells those guys, like, you know, you better pay your bill now because you won't be able to pay it later. And they're just like, yeah, right. Mm -hmm. And then he just and then he delivers like in the middle of the street. And it's so satisfying. Like, yeah. But if you saw him coming, you know, the scene wouldn't play the same way. It'd be like, yeah, this guy's absolutely going to kick our asses. And he looks like the rock. And he says that (laughs) you're just going to be like, ha ha. Uh Yeah. yeah, but he says that and you're you're a little bit like, you know, okay, show me or whatever. And um I love that Cruz learned a certain style of fighting and 
he has a intense physicality. He's also someone who loves, you know, stunt work. Obviously, he will jump out of planes and jump onto a plane <laughs> and all the crazy shit that he has done. And like, how is that guy still walking around? We don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I'm tired just thinking about it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think the the method, it's like uh Spanish street fighting self-defense. Yeah, that he learned, but they like modified it for him because if you actually saw that, you know, in a bar brawl or whatever, it's a lot of like shielding yourself, which mm. is not what you want to necessarily see. But um, so they modified it so that it would look better. But it's like the same. It's a very reactive like it's all about self-defense. It's not about him attacking first, which I think is really interesting and cool. Yeah, um, well, that is kind of like what they teach you to learn. Like, um, um, my brother um, is a black belt, and you know he can do all of that stuff, and it's awesome. But at the same time, for like everybody else, learning things are for women, and I'm someone with a bad back and stuff. And you're like, well, how could I protect myself? Uh, you know, and it is a lot of blocking, or yeah. just you know, if something's coming at you, like you know, deflecting. Um, And, you know, so I remember learning some of those basic things from him and from others and books and, you know, and I think when I I did Google that style, because you did bring it up in your piece, and I found that really interesting as well. And it's yeah, it sounds so cool. Yeah. Um, And actually, Mm -hmm. yeah. um, And I don't know, I don't know. It's just it looks cool. Like it looks scrappy, like, Mm -hmm. uh, but somebody, I was talking to this screenwriter, Jamie Hannigan, and he made a really good point about like the the bathroom fight, <laughs> which is like, yeah, the, those are like two big boys who show you why it's not always good to be big in a fight. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> because they end up, they're so big that they inadvertently kick each other's ass in that bathroom while yeah. Tom Cruise like peeks over the bathtub, like watching them. <laughs> and um, you can imagine, because he is someone who loves like Jackie Chan and like we mentioned Night and Day, there's this yeah, oh, killer yeah. fight scene in the airplane where he's using like seat cushions and different things. They're like, what else can we use that is in the scene that's prop comedy, but also practical? Like, what would you use? What could you grab? Yeah. And I love that with the bathroom fight. Uh, yeah. It's and great. then once he's out into the hallway, he like uses their bodies against each other. Like, yeah, he like beats the shit out of one of them with the other guy's head. <laughs> <laughs> He figures out, yeah, like a pulley and a lever. Like, how are we doing this? Yeah, it's so funny. It's a really great scene. But yeah, I'm not even. We're not even talking about the car chase. But there's just so much good about we're talking about Jack Reacher. Okay, good. I was like, oh, am I going to get in trouble? Like, but um, oh, you're fine. It's just. Oh, I also have a note that says I love hearing Robert Duvall say "suck it." Duvall um, is so good. And again, because it is Cruz and it is Macquarie, who, you know, is an Academy Award winning screenwriter for, for usual suspects. And, uh, but because it's Cruz, you can get Werner Herzog in this movie playing, I think you put it in your piece for Haggerty, like playing Werner Herzog, like kind of like a cartoonishly evil version of Werner Herzog, but you know, someone you're going to do an accent of and you're going to do an impression. It was really funny. Uh, recently on Twitter, Alessandro Nivola 
um, who is going to be on the podcast in the future. But uh, I was making a joke with Sean Burns about, uh, you know, Herzog because Burns had like talked to him. And Nivola said uh, something about he did cross his path once, once and he made the mistake of like doing a Herzog impression to Werner Herzog and he just like walked away. <laughs> Yeah, I can't imagine that like Herzog would appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> Herzog but... does not suffer fools lightly, and neither <laughs> does his character in this movie. But the cast in this thing is so great. You got you know Beautiful. people, yeah, that you're going to get because of Cruz is what we're saying with Duvall and uh, Herzog, and then you also have just like Rosamund Pike, who I love. She's an amazing actress. Um, it's also really cool to have Michael Raymond James, uh, to see him in this, uh, he was in Terriers. Um, oh, okay. yeah. I'm not that familiar actor. with him. So yeah, he's good. He's in the scene with Herzog, uh, with the hand, which very is very memorable. Terrifying. Scene. <laughs> yes. And, uh, David Oyelowo, I think I'm saying that correctly. I am I taking Oyelowo, but I'm not o- sure. I think I, Oyelowo. Exactly how she said it. That's what we mean. Yes, <laughs> I could. I could be wrong, but that was like I love that actor. So I've tried to like absorb. Sometimes even when I know how to pronounce a name, I still my brain does not absorb. Like, Oyelowo. Is that what you said? Oyelowo just rolls off the tongue. Yeah, that's but... <laughs> perfect. He is. Thank you. I tried. A great but... actor. Yes. Yeah, he's wonderful, which is why I was like, I need to know how to say his name. But I yeah. might still be Richard Jenkins. Oh my God, so Terrific. good. Yeah. Um who even like the parts who I don't recognize, like the girl who plays Sandy, I think she's really great. Like she's very natural. Like you see her and you immediately yeah. know her, basically. She breaks my heart too, like that yes. character. I know, like, you know, why do you let people use you like that or you don't have to? Well, that's just what girls like me do. Yeah. Or the scene where, like, before, spoiler alert, her character dies, Um, you know, like, she doesn't want to let on that she doesn't remember somebody because she is sweet and yeah. she has been around the block a few times and, you know, is kind of known as, like, a party girl and um, just being nice. And um, yeah, she really does break your heart. Yeah. Because um, that's like, I mean, for as violent as this movie, well, it's not super violent because it is PG-13, but like, it does. It oh, can the opening. Be, wow. It's a mean opening. Uh, it's rough to watch, but but it's like the film, you can tell the film cares about it's victims. I mean, mm-hmm. it really goes to great lengths to let you know who the victims were. And uh, even Sandy, like what happens to her is so tragic, but it's made even more tragic by getting to know that character. And mm-hmm. when when I think David Oyelo is like Emerson, we'll say Emerson is looking at her in the dumpster. It's like, it is, it's heart right. It actually gets more upsetting every time I watch it. Yeah. Because I feel like I've known that girl or girls like her. And it's just like, mm-hmm. Jesus. Um, but yeah, so the, the film feels like it takes the violence seriously. It's not mm-hmm. just like, you know, I'm trying to think of, maybe I don't want to try to think of a comparison, like a filmmakers who <laughs> they're love people, violence. They're not like plot points. 
Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, or they're not just like index cards that a screenwriter is going to, yeah. Put yeah, on exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. Uh, and also I wanted to say about Herzog being cast is it doesn't feel ironic because. Yeah. Yeah. Just like seems... with Duvall um, and some stuff, it feels more like a glorified cameo. Like this is Duvall or this is Herzog. And no, it works within the life of the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, because I feel that way a little bit about when Herzog shows up in the Mandalorian and stuff, it's like, it feels a little bit like a wink at the camera. Like we got Herzog, (laughs) you know, he's going to deliver a line that's going to become a meme or whatever. And like the Zek just does not feel like that. I mean, he, he's genuinely terrifying. There's no winking at the camera. Like Mm -mm. he's very, (laughs) his performance is great. He's very upsetting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Terriers fans. Like if you haven't seen this movie, what we're saying is, Stuff's going to happen to Brit and it isn't pretty. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I think somebody told me on Twitter, I guess I should fact check this, but I think they said that like when they have a close up on the hand with the missing fingers or something that it was like a tugboat captain they knew who was like, he was like the hand model for the fingerless hand or something. And I was like, what? (laughs) Um, it did not occur to me that there would be a hand model for that, but. And that it would be a tugboat captain. That's its own movie right there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe I should look this up before I say that. In Priscilla's sure next piece. <laughs> <laughs> the investigative uh, expose on the tugboat captain. Real um, or rumor? <laughs> yeah. um, okay, but maybe I should talk about the chase since that's what I'm here for. Yes. Uh and this badass, beautiful machine in the movie that is on your hands right now, on your manager. <laughs> yes. It's just, even if you don't like cars, it's just such a pretty machine. You know what I mean? Like American muscle car. Come on. Really nice color. The stripes are cool. Like, <laughs> yes. Uh, the chrome is, I mean, it's like a very, I think it's ballsy to shoot a, a nighttime chase because it's such a nightmare. Um, And I think shooting this chase was a nightmare because they would shoot the dialogue scenes during the day and then Cruz and Macquarie at night would be doing the chase. So there were like many nights where I don't think they got any sleep at all. Mm -hmm. Um, And they had to like light the bridge and the alleyways. And, um, but I don't know. It looks really good somehow. Like it does. Yeah. It's it's never What's unclear this what's shot happening. In Pittsburgh where it takes place. I believe so, because I think Macquarie calls it the chase that ate Pittsburgh. Ah, gotcha. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think toward the end of it, I was reading interviews about this. Like toward the end of it, they found some bar that was open like really late at night and like celebrated there after they were done shooting it. And um I think they really came to love Pittsburgh. <laughs> oh, good. Um, but yeah, like uh, one of the many things I think I love about Macquarie's chases is that there's always like a special moment in it that isn't necessarily tied to what's happening in the chase itself. Like there's always a character moment that. I don't know how to explain this. Like, 
in the fallout chase where there's that intermission and Ethan Hunt mm-hmm. saves the cop's life. Yeah. Like that little moment. Um, I think the chase itself is obviously wonderful, but moments like that really make the chase for me. And the very beginning of the chase, you might've seen me tweet about it, um, but it's like when at the very start, there's like mm-hmm. this Leone kind of standoff between Reacher and Emerson. Okay. And um, they're like looking at each other and then Emerson is reaching for his gun and then Reacher starts to go for the gear shift. And his it's like there's this, it's like a luminous, I've never seen a gear shift look more beautiful, basically. Because <laughs> <laughs> there's this overhead light and then uh, Cruz's hand lowers into the shot, like mm-hmm. slowly to grab it. And then the chase starts and it's like, <laughs> like going just, for your gun in the holster. Yeah. It's a gunfighter going for his gun and it looks so cool. Yes. See, um, this is why you want women talking about like gear shifts and holsters and stuff, because you just know if this would have been game night and we had like 10 guys here, as soon as we would have talked about like gear shifts and, you know, you're going to get some jokes and it's like, guys, <laughs> this is a Western thing. <laughs> We're talking yeah. about here. Just keep it beautiful. clean. Yeah, I know. <laughs> That's what I always yeah. say. <laughs> yes, I know. You're like Joe Hands. We got to work on this. You know, <laughs> you're working blue again. No, well, yeah, but, um, Jen. Typical. Oh, it's so typical, right? But what I love so much is exactly what you brought up, and I kind of think that sometimes car movies are westerns, like the cars or their horses. Yeah, it's kind of the same vibe. Like, I keep bringing up Night and Day because I'm obsessed with that movie. James Mangold directed it. Well, James Mangold directed Ford versus Ferrari, which I know you love as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, That one kind of has a link to the right stuff, like with the hat and some of that, which is really cool. But, you know, there's Tom Cruise uh, working with Mangold. And then there's this thing. And it's like Cruise is interested. And there's kind of a Western through line through here. So... What else? Talk me through it. The car chase as a Western uh, gunfight at the OK Corral with the Pittsburgh (laughs) car. And I lost my train like right there. I'm like, gunfight at the OK. Now we're in a car. We're in Pittsburgh. We're going in there. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Um, Who knows? Let me see if I can pick up the thread. Pick Uh, up all 70 threads that I just dropped. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. I want to make like eight points in response to what you just said. First of all, I know people think, I mean, I think that Mangold is a great director and I think he's interesting because he's always doing different genres, but I think we were talking earlier about how I feel like most of his movies are covert Westerns. Even like as far back as Heavy and Copland, a little bit. Yeah. Definitely Copland. That yeah. has like a real high noon vibe, like especially mm-hmm. at the end when he's going yeah. to take on all the, you know, the villains. Uh, I mean, they're not really villains, antagonists. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And then obviously 310 to Yuma is an overt Western. Love that movie. But, yeah. but I mean, it's in Ford v. Ferrari, like it's in Logan. Um, mm-hmm. Logan has a real unforgiven vibe. But, it does. Um, but yeah, but but in general, you know, people sort of talk about how Westerns, I mean, I don't think they talk like this anymore because of um, what Kevin Costner's been up to lately. But um, yeah. 
Uh, I think people talk about how the Western is sort of over and, but I just think it's taken on a different form. Mm -hmm. I I just think the period piece element has maybe gone out the window to an extent, but I think the Western still exists in action movies and thrillers. And um, I I wrote about this in my, I wrote about Smokey and the Bandit, Mm -hmm. how like his car is really his horse. Um, and I feel like well, ten four, good buddy. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then Jack Reacher for sure feels like a western to me. Yeah. Like he's, I think I told, well, I called him. I said Jack Reacher, sort of like an unkillable Shane. <laughs> he is. Yes. Yeah, like the stranger blowing into town to fix the town's problems, and then you know, but he can't. St- he can never stay. He always has to keep moving on you know Mm -hmm. um but yeah those were the important points that i really wanted to talk about and i think there's actually a moment in jack reacher that i never noticed until now where he um he walks into me shuffling through my notes (laughs) Mm -hmm. he walks into that meth house um and there's a western showing on that's like on the tv for maybe two seconds here we go. The big country. I kept wanting to say the big oh, gun down. Yes. But it's like That's on the one with Gregory Peck, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. And it's amazing. But yes. um I don't know if you know this. I did this was a revelation to me. But um when they do those interior shots, I mean it's intuitive, but when they do those interior shots, they have to tear the car apart. Yes. Because mm-hmm. they can't fit the cameras in there. So when when you're seeing that gorgeous shot. It has come at the cost <laughs> of one of those beautiful lost, Chevelles. Yeah. Um, we are down a Chevelle in order to get that. I think we're down so many Chevelles. Yeah. Uh, the la- I, I, I think that I got the number wrong in my, I hate to admit that I was wrong about anything, but um, <laughs> in my Haggerty okay, It's just piece, between you, me, and the 70,000 people listening. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> more like oh my god oh my god i'm gonna throw up um (laughs) see i can't think about that or else um, no i don't either yeah 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 yeah. we're just like like stage fright it's fine yeah (laughs) no one will ever listen not at all Um, no but where was i going with this upload now no no No, but that's so the number of Chevelles that we are down. Basically, oh, Macari yes. needs to open a factory to <laughs> make amends. You know, like when you, you know. take down trees, when you're building things, you know, you got to put up more trees. Exactly. Yeah. I think so. I think, OK, in the OK, this is where I was going with this. So in my Haggerty piece, I think I said there were nine Chevelles and only three survived. And I don't know where I got that number, but I'm pretty sure it was one of the stunt guys said that oh. on one of the behind the scenes things. But um, I think the official count, at least via Macquarie, I think there were eight and only okay. one one survived. And Tom Cruise has it. Wow. It was, it was like a gift to Tom. So. So is that where we're going when we're done? We're going to go. Check out Tom's Chevelle. <laughs> yeah. yeah, totally. Why yeah. not? Um, I would love to. I think Macquarie posted a photo of it. Um, okay. It was that. And I want to say the Kawasaki from Top Gun. Am I too? Oh, oh, yeah. That makes Let's more see. sense. 
my mind immediately Maroon. jumped to John Woo and not Top Gun. So <laughs> apologies to my big brother and all the Top Gun. Hey, hey, I love Maverick. That's great. But yeah. See, this is another reason why we are united because yep. we both love MI2. Yes. MI2 is good truthers. <laughs> <laughs> it is good. Yes, for sure. Um, with Reacher's Chase, Jack Reacher's Chase, uh, I really love the ending. Like I've never seen, I don't know, like to me, the ending of the chase is as much of a rush as the rest of it. Like, yes, as he leaves the car <laughs> as a decoy. Yeah, he like lets it just kind of. Yep. And just like go forward and crowd. Yes. And they take a look at him and then they take a look at the cops and like every single person in that crowd is has a side. problem yep. with the man. Yeah. Yes. So they're just like, yeah, this guy, we're going to help. Like, we're going to help him out. They like hide him. The one guy puts his little cap on him. <laughs> Another thing I love, like with what you were saying about like a little surprise in the chase and in your piece, I learned it wasn't actually part of their original uh, plan uh, was, you know, the car stopping and like crews having to try to start the engine. Uh, and that really happened. And it's like, yeah. you know, you, you almost think like, oh, of course, it's going to start. But that was completely unplanned, completely spontaneous. And it works. It kind of it's perfect. A little something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because I think. I think in the books, like Jack Reacher is not a good driver. Yes, that's um, what you were saying. Yeah. Yeah. And um I think it's a perfect example of how I feel about cars and chases, which is that they are always they're never an they're never accidental. It's always like telling you something about the character or the story, you know, the car that is chosen is usually an expression or an extension of the character. And then something about the chase will crystallize something for you about the story or the character. And so um, the Chevelle is a very big, powerful car, but it does not handle well. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I think like the same is sort of true of Jack Reacher, where it's like he's precise and meticulous, but he's really sort of reckless. Uh, and... So when he's in that car, like, I feel like you're seeing who Jack Reacher is, kind of, if that makes sense. It does. And it goes to something you were talking about in your piece on Ronin, uh, which is, uh, you know, in the epic, I think it's an eight minute chase in France on the highway, 300 drivers. And you were talking about how their driving styles actually expand upon the character. Yeah, and, uh, that's when it's done correctly. Absolutely. Yeah, because Deirdre is like, I mean, I think her name is pronounced Natasha McAlone, but I could <laughs> be wrong. <laughs> no, that's how I've always heard it. But yeah. she looks sweaty and she is frantic. And mm -hmm. then De Niro's character is a little uh, cooler and more polite. Yeah. yeah, he's like such a polite driver. He's like, mm -hmm. you know, honking Flashing and like, and, yeah. yeah. <laughs> trying to preserve life and yeah. yeah trying not to hit people with this car which is very nice and respectful um yeah because when you watch like a fast and furious chase you're like well they just lost 200 people right there yeah. <laughs> r.i.p yeah <laughs> yeah exactly like oop 
you know, but they did it for family. No, I'm just kidding. We love those movies, but you know, I do actually. Yeah. Yeah, we do. And uh, as far as car chases kind of showing us, this is when they're done correctly and they're not just like shoe leather or just trying to be a little bit of flash. Uh, We're talking about uh, Macquarie's use of them. Contrast Jack Reacher with, uh, all of the chases in Mission Impossible, they're all different, is something that you notice when you're like watching the movies back to back. Just like the movies themselves are different, even the ones yeah. that he's directed. And this is like his third movie he has uh, directed for the series. But Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning, part one. We don't know if part two is going to be called Dead Reckoning. It's weird. Yeah, I think they changed their, their, yeah, I think they changed their minds. It. Yeah. Oh, okay. Gotcha. I think they should just keep it. Don't confuse people even more. But yeah, uh, yeah. but the car chase in that is kind of, it's funnier. It is like something out of the Bogdanovich movie. What's up, Doc? Oh, what's up, Doc? Yes. Dead Reckoning. We need that little reprieve from just how dark that movie is. So you saw this movie a bunch of times in the theater. You wrote a gorgeous, thoughtful piece on it. I'm going to let you Thank take you. it away. On oh, shit. <laughs> impossible Dead Reckoning. Yes. Um, this is like a, I don't know, guys like to argue about this chase with me online. Oh, really? <laughs> uh, what is what is the consensus? Well, Are they anti? Well, because like, no, no, no. Because, uh, well, most people think that they chose that little yellow Fiat because uh, it's, the car that Lupin drives, Lupin, am I saying that right? I don't know how to say words. Oh, in the Miyazaki movie. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Um, but I was just like, I don't think that could be true because, like, you know, me and Macquarie aren't, like, best friends or anything. Although, you know, I'm open to it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but he'll hit you but, up and tell you if you're right and wrong and stuff. Yeah. Well, yeah, but I we have, we've been chit chat let me we've chit chatted over twitter he used to follow me before he like nuked his social media presence oh gotcha um i completely understand and i wish i had the freedom to do the same um i was just like from what i know about macquarie like he's not like a big anime guy (laughs) no he he doesn't seem like he just hangs out and watches those no no so i was like this just but i do know because one of our very first conversations uh was about i know he loves what's up doc it's like Mm. one of his most watched movies he thinks it's a super underrated car chase um it is yeah and then i think he also just shared on social media that the fiat came from when he was scouting the paris chase for fallout because he saw a fiat on the street and like kind of fell in love with the car and was like, someday <laughs> I will do another chase with this car. And that's exactly, um, I think they have some kind of like sponsorship agreement with BMW because Mission Impossible franchise loves a BMW. So they have to use a bunch of those, but then they eventually end up in that Fiat. Um, okay. And it rules like (laughs) it is and i love the moment where we think they're going to be in this like sports car because you know uh (laughs) we're we're in italy and it's just very cool and it's cruise and you have Haley atwell who was in like the one thing that marvel made for tv that i was like really excited about peggy carter and then they 
you know, axed that. Axed it. And so I was really excited to see. They did her, her dirty. They did her dirty. Come on. Yeah. Come on. Like, give us the Peggy Carter cut. I'll be that kind of person. <laughs> but uh, but anyway, I love that we think they're going to have this cool. And there it is, the little Fiat. And, uh, you know, you wrote about, like, how dangerous this car was. Like, it oh was my impossible God, yeah. to control and going downstairs. Like, it's, again, how is Cruz walking around? We don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think there's, like, a little bit of... um mythologizing that happens when they talk about these chases like and how they oh, made yeah. them and stuff and yeah yeah you know i've heard i've heard tell that there's a little i mean there are little fishing a, stories about how they do things on the day and yeah 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 you're like i don't know but um <laughs> but i know macquarie's like a big print the legend kind of guy yeah, so yeah. i have a feeling like <laughs> but you know i do believe that they're in the car like actually driving there's no green screen i just think that they use a little bit more cgi than they mm-hmm. they kind of hide i mean obviously those people get credited the train but, tracks and some of that yeah 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 but um but i mean like you can feel that it's essentially real and that's what oh, matters yeah. um but and then like people also don't really understand like i've gotten into arguments online with people who are like Tom Cruise is so reckless and he has a death wish, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, you know, there are safety measures they're taking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I mean, he is somebody like in an interview, one of my favorite Cruise interviews, I think, was it for Fallout? Where it was, you know, stuntman told us like this can't be or it's like the stunt coordinator said this can't be done. Sa-. So I got a new stunt coordinator or something like that. <laughs> you know, like this is a guy who does. But he's just going to, he's kind of Jackie Chan a little bit. Yeah. He wants to put himself out there and break his neck for you. Um, it's terrifying. And, uh, but he's also I, someone. What? I actually think Jackie Chan is more reckless than Tom Cruise. Oh, God, yes. I yes. mean. Yeah. But as far yeah, as like yeah. an American actor who does these kind of things, um, you know, and someone who's 60 at this point, you're like, buddy. Yeah. 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 It's um, amazing. Yeah. To think that Cruz is doing this stuff. Yes. Um, I just like, uh, it's just that when people argue that Cruz is, I've, I don't want to name names, but I've gotten into arguments about um, that. If something bad happens to Cruz, then like the whole, the whole movie will get scrapped and all those people will be out of jobs. And so what he does is really irresponsible and stuff. But it's like, if you hear the stuff that Jackie Chan did, Oh my God. I mean, police story, I think he like was nearly paralyzed. Mm -hmm. I mean, and Michelle, oh, like breaking her back. I mean, some of the stuff these people do. Yeah. Um, and so by comparison, like what Tom Cruise does, like if people actually understand how these stunts are done, like I was looking in my notes because I was reading about all the safety precautions they took for the Jack Reacher chase. Mm -hmm. Um they actually have yeah, like a six point harness and yeah, all and of they, the... I think they like they did it so that it was like part of his wardrobe, so it kind of blends into the leather jacket. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> um, but they reinforced the sides. There's a crash bumper on the back, special seats. Um, yeah, and you know, I mean, we've all been told stuff out of school like some you know (laughs) uh some tales of film sets but 
you know, Cruz does put himself out there with these types of films, but I think what the average viewer doesn't realize about just what movie making and television uh, making in general, what kind of stuff goes into it. Like actors really don't get a day off. They can't just all of a sudden go, Hey, you know, I'm not feeling good or whatever. Can someone can Jack fill in for me today? Like that doesn't happen. So, um, you know, I know of people who had like a broken jaw and like, you know, they just get shot full of stuff and have to go back to the set that day or um, have broken bones and the director, well, you're losing light. We got to do it. We got to do it. And stuff like that has happened on sets of things. I mean, one of those was an action project and one of them was like television and television that you know, you wouldn't maybe expect would would entail that. But, you know, things can go wrong and you are uh, these shoots are really tight and a lot of people are working together. And so while Cruz is, you know, the most high profile case and taking on this stuff, I think when people uh, crack jokes about actors and like, oh, they just stand there and read lines or whatever, um, you know, a lot of work goes into it for sure. Yeah. And a lot of risk. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But uh, but the but ultimately I feel like they are doing it as responsibly as they can exactly. in ways that are invisible to the audience. So when we watch it like it just seems know. like completely like oh my god he's walking on a wire, you know. And <laughs> you know, exactly. But yes. I mean, you know, the they don't want to kill Tom Cruise either, you know what I mean? No. Like <laughs> You yeah. know, they're always going to do whatever they can to take precautions. Um, but yeah, it's not as obviously what he's doing is still incredible, but mm-hmm. it's not like he's he's not a lunatic. I mean, at least what about like he's not being professionally. He's not being just completely like this is somebody who still especially for this movie didn't want to um, put all those people out of work during lockdown and kept paying people. And he wants to, you know, really pull together. And, you know, we're not saying guy is a saint, a sinner. We're we're just saying that there are people working behind the scenes that don't get credit for helping make Tom Cruise look like uh, the the man walks on water. And, uh, (laughs) and also he is, um, you know, putting himself out there. You have Macquarie, who also at this point is such a good collaborator and he knows what this guy can do. And I'm sure the two of them, when they get together, well, wait, 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 you know, they're probably inspiring to go a little bit further. Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I don't want to just, I don't want to say like Tom Cruise does less. I think the point I want to make is that I think people to make too much of the death wish thing mm-hmm. when I think in actuality, he's very professional. And like, he's not taking risks that are going to put a bunch of people out of work. I mean, like yes. he broke his ankle and that, I actually think that ended up working to their benefit because like, since they do so much on the fly, I think it helped them mm-hmm. get more work done that they wouldn't have been able to do otherwise. But, you know, that was just an act, like you can't help stuff like that. I mean, no. people injure themselves in the dumbest ways. Like, well, I'm yes. speaking for myself, but <laughs> me too. Yeah. Um, but you know, the way he landed against that building, like that's he just probably something rehearsed that... it a million times. Didn't yeah, exactly. And then, you know, you land funny once and yeah. Yeah. And it's over. 
Um, But yeah, I just don't think he's like unsafe, you know, and when we see him at the end of Fallout with the helicopters and everything, he's not really like, there are like wires and stuff. (laughs) It's just, (laughs) yeah. There was some outlet that they published that I usually really like, and they published this piece about Dead Reckoning. And I was really excited because something is happening with this movie. I don't understand where like it didn't do well at the box office. And then people, I just feel like I haven't really read many interesting things about it. So I was excited to read this piece. And then it was just more stuff about like Tom Cruise having a death wish. I'm like, I don't know. I think there are more interesting things to say about this movie than that. Yeah. And I think we kind of like fall into a narrative about certain movie stars. Like, yeah, Nicolas Cage is weird or, uh, (laughs) you know, everybody has like a different um, take and like, you know, what is Blank going to do next? You you don't know. And and I think um, just kind of put people in these boxes. And yeah, uh, yeah, Cruz has been surprising us for decades but he's someone who started out young a teenager in movies and is very professional respects the people that he works with i just did an episode on ron howard and ron howard of course his sort of overlying theme that goes through all of his stuff is about the power of hard work and underdogs and just kind of pulling up your bootstraps and like just getting to it and we thought uh this is a guy who grew up on film set father was an actor his brother and saw all of these craftsmen kind of behind the scenes, like going and that was their daily work and just doing their job. And it's interesting. He made his career about life work balance and sort of people that maybe don't get celebrated for that. And um, yeah. Yeah. So respect the work. That's what we're saying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. A long thesis there, but we got we got there eventually. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I agree with it everything he said um no and what you were saying too like he isn't just gonna go i'm gonna jump off a bridge you know and completely (laughs) look mom no hands yeah yeah exactly i mean he does such a good job that that's what people think he's really Mm -hmm. doing like obviously i love every single mission impossible i know know, people are unkind to the john woo entry but um i even like that i even think that's a good film Yeah. yeah Yes, we are. This is another way we are the same. Um, no, like how great is the romantic spin out of the cars? It's like they're dancing. Come on. Exactly. It's like Gorgeous. a car flirtation. I love yes. it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. See, I don't know. I wish the Mission Impossible franchise would bring back the romance a little bit. Like, a little, yeah. They yeah. toyed with us, with Ilsa a little bit, and then decided, oh, they're just bros. <laughs> I know. And then in this one, it's it got romantic. And then Priscilla and I are team. She isn't really dead. Just FYI. Yep. Girl. Yeah. I mean, if, if I had a therapist, I would talk to my therapist about this. Like <laughs> people just buy like if a character says something like, well, OK, like there's that great uh, joke about the end of Memento and Joe Pantoliano. He's like, my character lies to you through the whole movie. And then at the end, I just say a bunch of words together and I string together a reason and everybody watch. Oh, okay. Yeah. He's, he's, you know, and he's like, who the hell knows? Like you guys, like just because one person says something in a movie, they might be tricking you a little bit. This is the quarry. These are, 
people that pull on and off masks and Mission Impossible has been, you know, toying with us. And yeah. Um, So one of the things I wanted to say is like this Mission Impossible, I think is the smartest one yet. Like it gives me the most to chew on, but also regarding Ilsa, (laughs) like (laughs) Macquarie sound apps. I mean, he's so convincing that she's gone that I have to believe that I'm in denial. Like I'm in the denial phase of grief. (laughs) Oh, really? I don't think so. Well, but it's also, I don't know. It sounds like maybe, I think Rebecca Ferguson is sensitive about um, being perceived as just a love interest to Ethan's character, which is completely fair. She she has her own agency by far. Yeah. Yeah. But I think, yeah, I think they've done a good job with that character Mm -hmm. so far, but you know, Macquarie says that it was one of the earliest things they talked about was like, obviously he didn't say it like this, but like how to get rid of Ilsa. (laughs) Okay. Um, it wasn't interesting. I can't remember. Maybe we are in denial. I don't know. This is a franchise that likes to kill off the ladies. So, you know, see, this is the issue that I have is that the way that it's handled is makes it feels like it's fake. Like it doesn't Mm -hmm. feel real because, you know, this is a whole franchise built on deception, illusions, magic tricks, um, and she's already faked her own death once in this film. And it's it's part one of two parts. And so usually when you hit the halfway point of a movie, the rest of the film is going to be payoffs and reversals. Exactly. So it feels like the reversal that's going to happen is that Ilsa won't be dead because mm-hmm. we already have a team that's scattering to the winds, you know, mm-hmm. like Luther's going into hiding and the mood after she dies is so it's like too subdued to me it like, is, and a little too diplomatic about everything it's, yeah it's strange yeah i need to see i mean i don't need to see ugly crying but maybe the aftermath like some puffy faces they just look kind of down in the dumps like <laughs> yeah like i oh, mean damn she has a migraine and can't go to the dance tonight kind of thing and it's like yeah, it's weird nick died on a bridge you know, like, if that's what we're supposed to believe, then let's see a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I do like that she dies a hero's death. She dies saving oh, grace. Oh, for sure. She makes which is wonderful. Mm-hmm. But we've seen her in much worse scraps. Like, and she just, it's just, just a little stab. <laughs> stab wound. <laughs> yeah. I know. I don't know. It's just like I mean, Priscilla and I get in knife fights all the time. And it's Yeah, like, that one's just it's not a big deal. No. <laughs> that's a Tuesday for us. Yeah. It's just like that's all it took to take her out. I don't know. No. Yeah. So and then I mean, I think pr- probably they didn't want to bring down the mood of the film by having everyone like weeping or whatever, but that's true. It's just a little weird. And then like they say something interesting where Grace her line is something like, um, she's dead because of me. And then Luther says, no, you're, you're alive, alive because, because of, her. of her. And nobody Which says is she's dead. Exactly. I was paying attention to that. It's like, hmm, yeah. But I do feel like an unhinged conspiracy theorist being like, look at the evidence. Like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um. <laughs> Let's name we're Ilsa's. I don't know what what is our new uh, conspiracy theory name. We're the Ilsa's. I don't know. 
Yeah, I can't. I'm not. I more, can't think right yeah. now. <laughs> no more deaths to the brunette chicks in these movies, essentially. Yeah, I know. But I'm waiting for some characters to come back, though. I mean, that didn't die. Like, I loved Paula Patton. Yeah. In, uh, oh my Maggie God. Q. I think they're yes. trying to. I they've been trying to make Maggie Q happen for a while, but yeah. it just hasn't worked out. I do really like Grace. And... She is such a strong character. She has more. I mean, I love Ilsa, but Grace has already like some spunk and some more. Um, I'm not saying they took the energy out, uh, but they did give us a fully developed new character. Not that you can she... only have one female character. Right. Come on, you guys. Yes. But um, but she she really reminds me. I've had this like one of my little soapbox things for a few years now has been like, where is a Modesty Blaze franchise? Oh wow! And she really feels like a Modesty Blaze like cut from and that. Gabrielle cloth. is obsessed. You guys should talk about the that movie. I'm not like an expert or anything, but I just love that character. And Ethan really feels like the will. I don't know how much you know about modesty, but like Willie Garvin is like her best friend. And there's no, I guess it depends on, I think maybe the adaptation makes them like love interest for each other. But in the books, um, they're just best friends. Mm. Um, there's like no romantic tension between them. But um, that's such a good character. For people who don't know, she started out as like a pickpocket and a thief and becomes sort of yes. a secret agent, like a spy. Um, so I really, that's exciting to me because Haley Atwell is someone who I would cast in a role like that. You, you know? know, and I'm glad you brought up the platonic nature of it all because that is something Rob brought up with Jack Reacher. One of the things that he loved is that the Rosamund Pike, I mean, there, there's a little like, talk of flirtation between her and reacher but nothing happens they're you know professional I think they, they cut a kiss so oh, it's not they? supposed to mm-hmm, yeah okay <laughs> but, but it happens has sex in the movie yes no it's supposed to it, i think they wanted it to happen after her rescue and they were like no. it just doesn't work but you know mm-hmm. if it admit i think the important thing would have if they were going to do it it should have happened before she gets kidnapped because yeah. then it raises the stakes, right? For sure. Mm-hmm. But anyway, it's fine to me though that like I think it's. I was talking to a friend of mine who is an expert on the books, and he said that that character, there is a love interest in that book, and it's not that character. Like she's oh, wow. not even she's not even in the movie. So they kind of tried to play up the lawyer character as a love interest, but I think they decided to abandon that in the end Mm, um but yeah like i think they tried i i feel like i don't know i could be completely wrong about this and just dispensing this information but um i feel like they were thinking about trying to have a kiss between ilsa and ethan at some point maybe during fallout or something but that didn't seem to work either but yeah i wouldn't be opposed to them reintroducing some romance though personally Mm. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it has been too many um, installments for sure. But this chase does feel like a flirtation to me. It does. It feels like I think you used the phrase a nightmarish first date a little bit. Oh my god, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I don't. My my. See, it's hard when it's part one of two because then it does. I try not to do like fan theory stuff, but 
and predict things, but it's hard yeah. not to. Mm-hmm. But it feels like a reconfiguration of the IMF is coming with possibly Grace as the new leader. Because ah, interesting. in that chase, she keeps getting forced into the driver's seat and keeps trying to get out of it. <laughs> yes. Or just joining me. Yeah. Yeah. But I it am. feels like it's more than just joining. It feels like she keeps being put in this position of like leadership Power. and control. Mm-hmm. And she's like, no, thanks. I don't want anything to do with this, you know? Mm-hmm. Um. And then, like, I don't know how much I haven't seen that much. It of- could be a, yeah, they could be setting her up as a backdoor of a maybe we're going to have more Mission Impossibles down the road. We don't know. Yeah. Well, I think th- that's, I mean, I think that's, that's my theory is that I know, I don't know if Tom Cruise has changed his mind, but I know at one point he wanted out. And mm-hmm. I think the last I heard, they were still trying to figure out if they're going to kill off his character. Um, but I thought I heard he was maybe reconsidering, but I can't, I don't know if that was a rumor, Mm. but, um, it would be nice to see Ethan just kind of like walk off into the sunset a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I know. He's been through so much. Give the guy a break already. (laughs) He keeps losing chicks. I mean, come on. Yes. It's been through, I mean. I know. It's great to see some of the other characters uh, acting uh, their age a little bit. Like um, Bing Rames in the last couple is just kind of like, you go ahead. I'm going to sit in the chair. (laughs) You know? And and he's great. I'm so glad they've kept him. Yeah. I think Simon Pegg add so much to the series i don't think they would be nearly as entertaining without him yeah oh my god what i read somewhere that they were initially thinking about um this comedian that i hate okay (laughs) (laughs) that guy yeah yeah um ricky gervais was initially they were thinking about him for benji and i was like oh my god he would have been the worst character he would have ruined Mm. the franchise (laughs) for me at least um but yeah, like, but Benji as Simon Pegg. I love Simon Pegg. I think he's so, I think he's underrated. I think he's a wonderful actor. I think he's a great writer. Um, I thought his performance, especially in like The World's End, was incredible. I don't know if you're a fan of that I, trilogy, but. I Hot Fuzz is a favorite for sure. That's my favorite too. Yes. <laughs> same person yeah yeah obviously um (laughs) but yeah he's so great like and then oh i don't know how much you know about the original series i actually haven't watched that much of it no but i have i've seen some of them but yeah yeah but so um when i talk about like the imf changing i think briggs and paris are going to become part of it because those are characters from the show. Like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Leonard, I don't know. Leonard Nimoy played Paris on the show. I don't know if you knew this. No. But there's actually an episode where I was going to say it was s- some of the worst yellow face I've ever seen, but Ooh. I don't, I mean, I guess it's hard to make a comparison. It's all mm. bad, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> but I remember reading about it. And then when I Googled it, I was like, it was it made me gasp because it's it's really very mm. terrible. So the fact that they cast Palm in that role feels amazing. Like yeah, it feels like a little bit of a a fuck you to the Leonard Nimoy. Like 
because he's a, a master of disguise. Like that's his talent or whatever. That's interesting. So that's, I, didn't know I guess that. that's why they went that route for that episode, but it's not a good idea. Fascinating. Um, wow. Yeah. So anyway, I think they'll be joining. So there, there will be two girls on the team. But see, this is another reason why I don't know why they would kill off Ilsa because she isn't really part of the, yeah. Sometimes she's almost like an antagonist or sort of an oppositional force to whatever Mm -hmm. Ethan's trying to, like in the fallout chase where they both want Sean Harris's character, you know? Mm -hmm. So it doesn't really feel like necessary to get rid of her when she could just, I don't know. I don't know, man. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna I'm have grieving. to have a follow up of this, like with the second part, essentially. Yeah, a they put on bonus. No. They po- they postponed it. Did you hear about that? I know. I'm yeah. so heartbroken. Couple couple more years, crazy. I can't wait that long. Um, no. But anyway, like the you know what it is though. It's enough time to you got it in you. You can write some fan fiction for us. <laughs> Yeah, we can make it weird, you know, it'll be fun. They could solve some crimes. We can bring Poirot in. It'll be great. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> My <laughs> favorite. set at Christmas time and like Bruce Campbell's involved in a Hallmark movie. We don't know. Yeah, yeah there are so many options. Um, yes. No, but I think this is a really good um, opening part one of our car movies double feature where we're starting with Macquarie and we're going to follow this up with two by Frankenheimer before I let you go on Macquarie though other thoughts on him as a filmmaker anything involving uh, his use of cars action that we didn't cover I feel like I barely talked about that chase like (laughs) I just have so many thoughts about the movie it's cool that it incorporates various types of cars. Like you have like Hummer and, um, you know, again, we're talking about using a chase creatively to tell us about these different characters that are all following. Well, okay. Yeah. Like, because Paris is a mysterious character, but like, I feel like her and the Hummer feels like it really represents that character and actually i don't know if we ever see her smile throughout the rest of the film like she just looks like she's in her element so almost euphoric (laughs) yeah um just like a pure destructive force like an agent of chaos um and oh i have to say that one of the things i love about this chase is that there are a bunch of there's not a bunch but there's (laughs) it's unusual for an action film um, it's another soapbox thing that I have where I just don't feel like there are enough women in car chases. No, and we have two of them here. One is pursuing. I love your choices for these movies for that reason. <laughs> it's so exciting because it's you know, girls. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're not just like in the passenger seat cringing, which, you know. Grace yeah. is doing a little cringing, but I don't blame her because. No, but you have a couple women and then. Ronan, the movie we're going to talk about in part two. Deirdre. Natasha. I mean, my God. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, A wild woman. Yeah. Grace is like a good audience stand-in, though, because I think we can all relate to being put in that position where it's like, (laughs) 
I would love it if Ethan Hunt would drive me around really fast. Like, you know, like the Sean Harris when he's like swaddled up like a baby in that straight jacket. Like, yeah, yeah. In that's... the passenger seat from Fallout. Yes. Like, but that's my dream. Have... <laughs> that's your dream. You're like, but it that's... is. N- but it is not my dream to be in the driver's seat. <laughs> no. <laughs> that's and my like, nightmare. And being yelled at, like, turn right, turn right, that kind of thing. <laughs> and they're handcuffed together, which is like from the 39 yeah. Steps, the Hitchcock. Yes. But I think that's like my favorite. It has some of my favorite bits in the whole movie. Like when they do the flip and then they somehow end up where she's back in different seats. Seat. Yeah. And yeah. she's like, what the fuck? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um and then they also do like an erectile dysfunction joke like when he's trying to get they finally found oh, the yeah, imf what, safe like, car performance and yeah and he's like I- i'm so sorry like this never i just don't like <laughs> and she's like so soothing like yeah reassuring like it's okay like <laughs> it happens yeah <laughs> um i love that like it's some of the biggest laughs in the whole movie, I think. Mm-hmm. But um, although I think my favorite bit is in the train when he finally lands on the train and he lands in the train. It's like, isn't that like a Buster? I think it's Sherlock Jr. The Buster Keaton does something similar where he like yes. crashes in the house through the window and like inadvertently knocks over the villain and he looks confused about it do you know what i'm talking about but it's like a similar yeah 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 it's a similar thing where it's like ethan lands inside the train and he's like grace like (laughs) what are you doing here (laughs) yeah okay but then the last thing the last point i want to make about this chase is the intermission i feel like the chase in general is like a mirror image of the fallout chase but the fallout chase is like melancholy and dark and this one is much lighter but then the intermission is interesting because briggs is suddenly in ethan's position where he is making a decision about someone's life because there's that moment when he's considering killing ethan even though he's unarmed yes. and defenseless. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about? Like, yeah. it's a split second, but like Ethan clocks so it. Is, yeah. Where he looks at him and realizes like, this guy is about to shoot me mm-hmm. and I'm handcuffed to this broad. Like, <laughs> and yeah. I have no, I have no gun. He's standing on the opposite side of the car door, I think at that point. So he's had no shield. Like it's, so it's like a, it's almost the opposite of what happens when, Ethan is making a decision about the police woman, like mm-hmm. how to save her life. Yeah. Um, but I think Briggs on the TV show is a lot more cavalier about violence than Ethan Hunt is. Okay. So it's also showing you something about Briggs. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And I love the addition of those characters too. Yeah. I know. Well, I love the addition of Shea Wiggum. Like, yes. <laughs> Amazing actor. Yeah. He also has my favorite, one of my favorite line deliveries in that scene. It's also one of my favorite bits in the movie where he says, like, I got you now. And the way he says it is so funny and so, he's so convinced. 
and you're like buddy you're new to this franchise you don't <laughs> yeah it feels like very wily coyote and roadrunner where he's just like, like constantly i'll convinced. get you next time gadget yes <laughs> yeah yes. exactly um <laughs> yeah i think those are all the major points i wanted to make and then the fiat something that i forgot that i was told by macquarie himself um so i don't have to fact check this is that i, did, I forgot to put it in my Haggerty article but when they used the fiat they had to like beef it up because the yes. engine normally doesn't do shit so they gave it a tesla engine so i think mm. it's actually an electric they converted it to electric from what i recall interesting but um but yeah, yeah, I love that little toy car. It's just so much fun to watch it. It is, yeah. Been in circles and... Yes, yeah. that is one of the great uh, jokey moments because you need that. Again, yeah. it's like in the Jack Reacher chase, which wasn't planned, where you start the car. Like you, you need those little beats to kind of catch your breath, or, you know, catch you off guard, make you laugh a little. Yeah. Yeah, like Paris is struggling with the Hummer and then yes. bears spinning in circles and the and Grace thinks they're on fire. And yeah, anyway. Yeah. It's wonderful. Um, no, I think this was a really good way to begin. Kind okay, of good. Go with the modern movies. And then we're gonna bring you back uh to talk about Frankenheimer for sure. So yeah. thank you so much, Priscilla, for joining a podcast. And it was a pleasure. Was it was it painless <laughs> enough or it was painless, but I just feel so so much to say. I feel like <laughs> oh, you're good. I also want to thank everyone for listening, especially my patrons who support the show and help fund my research equipment, film rentals, RSS fees, and more for as little as a dollar per month at the Film Intuition Patreon, which is the home base for the show. Other ways you can support the podcast are by sharing, reviewing, and subscribing to Watch with Jen wherever you get your podcasts, and also checking out the cool merch store hosted and created by our talented logo designer, Kate Gabrielle. You can find the merchandise store, including shirts, tote bags, stickers, and more by visiting filmintuition.com and clicking on the shop link. The show's theme music is solo acoustic guitar by Jason Shaw and is available in the free music archive. You can also reach me or interact with Watch With Jen anytime on Twitter, either at Film Intuition or our Watch With Jen account as well. Well, until next time, please take care and happy movie watching. This is Jen Johans at FilmIntuition.com and FilmIntuition on social media and Letterboxd. And this is Watch with Jen.